Okay, so in the uh, in the Wayu Piskei's Corona, which came out in both Hebrew and English, um, and are attributed to Herschel Schechter, so the English version says that there's a violation of Baal Tosif, apparently a biblical violation of adding on to the mitzvah by eating in the sukkah on Simchas Torah. If for health reasons a family wants to eat outside of Simchas Torah, but the only way, place you can eat outside is the sukkah, so you have you you have to completely invalidate the sukkah, which you can do in one of two ways. You can put if you have a rain cover for your sukkah on it, then put a rain cover on it. Or you can have a non-Jew um, take the schach off the sukkah. We'll see, that's really the big finish, that you can have a non-Jew take the schach off the sukkah. Okay, now Piske Corona comes out in an English version, English um, and a Hebrew version. And it's sometimes fun to look at the differences between the English and Hebrew version and figure out right which one is really, which one is really reversal shefter, whether, whether, whether both or neither of them are. Uh, so here's my translation of the Hebrew version. Um, you can go to the, to the link on the Makara tree if you want to look at the Hebrew version and make sure they translate it properly. So the first thing it says is, for health reasons, it's better to eat outside when eating with others. Therefore, this year, uh, some wish to eat in the sukkah with others on Simchas Torah. So this is very different because the English version talks about a family wanting to eat outside um, for undefined health reasons, whereas it's clear in the Hebrew version that we're talking about eating with guests on Sifas Torah. So it says, it's clear from Sukkah, page 48a, that one should invalidate the Sukkah if one wishes to eat on Sifas Torah, so as to demonstrate that one is not adding to the mitzvah, as Rashi explains there. Right? So he says there's an explicit Gemara that says that this is what you have to do. If you want to eat in the Sukkah on Sifas Torah, you have to invalidate it. That's what Rashi explains, uh, in order to demonstrate that you're not adding to the mitzvah. So a little bit iffy, right, is the issue, if you're actually adding to the mitzvah, so what does it mean? What is it demonstrating that you're not? You are, right? So that's a little bit of a challenge to figure out what he means by that. It's appropriate to cover the schach with the shlach, which invalidates the sukkah, or else to ask a non-Jew to remove the schach. And here's where you say this is his really big fetish. He says, because the rabbinic prohibition, on a rabbinic prohibition, at least with regard to Shabbos, Shabbos issues, or shvus de shvus, is permitted for the sake of a mitzvah. And here he comes up with this really great idea. He says that, well, Taking the schach off the sukkah is considered deconstructing soter <coughs> for the sake of building. And the only biblical prohibition is taking, right, on Shabbat is to deconstruct the building for the purpose of constructing it. So if you ask the non-Jew to take the roof off your sukkah, that's not for the purpose of putting on a stronger roof. That's to permanently take apart the sukkah. So that, he thinks, is not a biblical violation. It's only a rabbinic violation. And then asking a non-Jew is only a rabbinic violation. So we have a double rabbinic violation. We're asking a non-Jew to do some to violate something rabbinic. And he says, that, then he says, step three, he says, and eating with guests is part of the mitzvah of Simchat Yantov. And therefore, in order to allow you to eat safely with guests on Yantov, he allows you to ask a non-Jew to, um, right, to, take, to take your sukkah schach down on, on Yantov. Okay, we could talk about um, the interesting decision. Uh, you might have made a public health argument that it was better to try and discourage people from eating with, from eating with guests. But right, he's working in the framework that we want to encourage people to have guests, but safely, whether that's because he thinks that's best or because he thinks the alternative is that people will eat in unsafe places with guests. I don't know. Uh, and in order to allow that, he says, generally eating with guests is part of the mitzvah simchas yantiv, and therefore asking a non-Jew to take it apart is a um, is a valid uh, right, is a, is a valid thing. So that's a really that's a that's a really interesting claim. And what part of it will be examined is sure, is it really necessary? to resort to that, um, to that claim. And he tells you, but look, the Talmud actually gives you another solution. The Talmud, right, the Talmud and the Shulchan Aruch each say, that what you can just do is bring pots into the sukkah. 
pots that are not ordinarily brought into the sukkah, right? Bring the pots that you cooked on the stove in as opposed to plates and serving platters, because, uh, right? And that's what the Gemara says you should do, he says. The Gemara says all you have to do to solve this problem is bring pots into the sukkah. But we don't do that because some decisors, he says, claim that that only was talking about pots in the time of the Talmud that were disgusting. Because you put them on, they, you left them on the fire, they turned black, um, right? But now our pots are not pottery and they're not repulsive. So there's no problem with bringing pots into the sukkah, so you can't rely on that. So instead, you should rely on either putting the shlak over it, or you should rely on, or you can, or you can ask a non-Jew, which is a really, a really big finish. Okay, that's right. So you have the English version, the Hebrew version. They, um, right, it's clear to me the Hebrew version is 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 very different because the English version is talking about a family by itself. It's talking about a biblical violation, um, and right, the, the the Hebrew version makes it clear it's talking about guests, and the only reason that he permits. Um, having a non-Jew do this is for the sake of having guests. Okay, there are three questions that he doesn't address. One question is, uh, what if in fact the family wants to eat outside in simple Torah just because it wants to eat outside, not for health reasons? Right, can you ask a non-Jew to take it down or not? Question number two is, what if you, what if, right, all this assumes that you ate in the sukkah on Shemini Yatzeret, so simple Torah is continuing the mitzvah from sukkah. But if you didn't eat in the sukkah on so then is there any issue at all? Could be not, right? Because right then Simchas Torah is no different than right than day in Tishrei. Nobody says you can't eat in the kashrut sukkah the rest of the year. Okay, and the third reason, which is the most immediately practical question, is what happens if you don't have a shlok? I don't have one, and you don't have a convenient non-Jew who's willing to stand on a you know on a or that you're comfortable asking to stand on a on a tall step ladder and take down all the schach of your sukkah. Uh, right, I Baruch Hashem, this marvelous 12 by 16 sukkah. It's a serious job for somebody. Right? I'm asking somebody to put in a half an hour of work with a certain amount of danger um, in terms of, right, because you're standing on a ladder and taking down heavy things. And I have a big splinter in my finger right now because of my attempt to restore our schach after the storm. So I'm not so comfortable asking a uh, asking my non-Jewish neighbor to take it down. He would do it if I asked him, sure. But it's a big thing. But maybe it's not practical, you know. I, I don't, I'm not so sure it's a good idea for him to stand on a tall step ladder. Uh, right, you know, the, the roof of our sukkah is eight feet tall. Uh, you have to stand on it. So what happens, right? What happens if I, I don't have a shlok and I, I don't have an Andrew to ask and I want to eat outside or I, right, or I have guests coming over who I think it's much better to eat outside. What am I supposed to do then? So Rabbi Shlomo Brody um, on Facebook, um, I'm you know, happy to say is a, an old uh, summer baby drash alum, uh, put out a very different guidance. He said the following. When they eat in their sukkah on Simchas Torah for space considerations, fresh air, corona fears, or other reasons, as long as they do not intend to do so for the mitzvah fulfilling, of fulfilling the mitzvah sukkah, right? So he thinks that you don't need the justification of, of um, guests, right? You can just want to eat outside. To make it clear that we're not doing so for the sake of adding, to, right, to demonstrate, that's right, altosif, you need to make a hecker, you just need to put a sign out to make it clear. Okay, what's the simplest solution, he says, is in Israel, is to remove or roll up a small portion of the schach. You don't have to take up all the schach. You just have to right, remove a, 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 one piece of the schach, right? which we, we call 35 by 35 centimeters, four tefachim by four tefachim. But you only need to do this if you're eating in the sukkah, not if you're, not if you're just sitting in the sukkah. And he says, you know what? And if you ate indoors on the night of Shemini Atzeret, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's in Israel, right? If you, right? Um, then he says, right, in the diaspora, it's a little bit more complicated. But it seems to him, right, um, because you can't remove the Svachach Shmini Yatzeret because that would be so Yandiv. 
but he has his own solution. The solution is just take a 35 centimeter by 35 centimeter thing, right? Basically a foot square, maybe a foot and a half square, right? Four tvachim, so right somewhere between 12 and 16 inches square. Um, and just put it on top of a corner of the sukkah so that it blocks that part of the sukkah and that's enough. Okay, so you really have uh, two, uh, two different psukim, I think, that are on the same issue, right? And I put it in there, right? There are two kinds of issues. One issue is, are we really worried about it being baltosif? That, you're, that there's a risk of a biblical violation if you eat in the sukkah on Simchas Torah, we're only worried about the appearance of Baltosif. Right? From Shafter's uh, position, it sounds like, right, at least certainly, certainly the, um, the English and maybe the Hebrew, it sounds like we're talking about real Baltosif, whereas Ray Brody seems to be just talking about you just need a marker, so it's more likely the question of the appearance of Baltosif. Then they have a second issue, which is do you have to completely invalidate the sukkah, or do you just have to invalidate a section of the sukkah? And it seems to be reasonable that those two issues connect, that if you think it's a real Baltosif issue, then you need to really invalidate the sukkah, because who cares if a little corner of the sukkah is invalid, and you're still eating in a valid sukkah on Shmiyat if that's Baltosif, it's Baltosif. Whereas, according to, um, according to Rabbi Brody, where the, um, right, if the issue is just the appearance of Baltosif, so we can say that some kind of marker that makes it clear you're not doing it for the sake of the mitzvah is enough, even if the sukkah is still valid. Okay, so that's my introduction, right? That there seems to me to be a dispute between the Piskei Corona and Rabbi Brody. Uh, right, two issues. One is, is there a real issue of Baltosif, of, um, of eating in the sukkah on Simchas Torah? And two is, um, does, do you actually have to invalidate the sukkah to remove whatever the issue is, or do you just have to invalidate a, uh, a portion of it? Okay, we're going to turn to page two of the Chavasar uh, Street now. Okay, so there's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Another Gemara also appears... The line also appears in Erevin, but Rosh Hashanah is clearer for our purposes. The Gemara Abayis says to somebody, hang on a sec, if what you just said about Baltosif is correct, then people sleeping in the sukkah on on the eighth night, they should get lashes because they violated Baltosif. And Rabbi responds to him, no, you don't violate Baltosif unless you're either during the time of the mitzvah, I'm sorry, unless you're both, right, unless you're either during the time of the mitzvah and um, right, or if you're not during the time of the mitzvah, if you explicitly intend to fulfill the mitzvah. But if it's not during the time of the mitzvah, you don't have intent to fulfill it, then it's not baltosif. Okay, that position is, ap- you know, I think it's fair to say is absolute consensus. Everyone agrees that you cannot fulfill, you do not violate baltosif if it's not during sukkahs, and you don't have intent to fulfill it. You don't need, right, nothing else. So I, I think that it's clear that it can't be Real Baltosif, and probably you have to follow the um, the original Hebrew as opposed to the English translation of Piskei Corona. And nobody really thought thinks that it's a real violation of Baltosif. And then the question is, but okay, so whatever the other thing is that uh, maybe it's the appearance of Baltosif. That's what both of them seem to say. Do you actually have to invalidate the sukkah to avoid the appearance, or do you just have to invalidate a uh, a sample section? I think. Okay, but we're going to see now. Right now, we've got the introduction down. We're going to see that actually. The issue is much more complicated than that. Maybe there are lots more options than just Baltosif or the appearance of Baltosif. Okay, so we're going to start. We're still on page two. We're going to start with the Mordechai. The Mordechai says the right now we're in a medieval book, and he quotes the Rav Yoh, which is right, it's an early German rishon. And he says the Rav Yoh explained the Kevan de Ikehekera. Since there is a marker, right? what's he talking about? He's talking about eating in the sukkah on Shmini why isn't eating in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeret a violation of Baltosif? Right now we, right, 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 right. 
that we do it in right, we do it in, in Chuslaris because it's Sveikad Yoma. But Sveikad Yoma shouldn't be enough. Right? The rabbis shouldn't be allowed to do it because it should be a violation of Baltosif. So what the Rabbi Yas said is, Kevan Dika Hekera, Dilome Varech, Kashera Sakol Zayamim, Lohavi Kimosif. The Rabbi Yas says, No, no, no. Eating in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeret is no problem of Baltosif because it's obvious you're not doing it for the mitzvah because you didn't make a bracha. For seven days, you said a Leshev Basukkah every time you ate in the sukkah. Now you're not making a Leshev Basukkah. What clearer examples could there be? Of not right of not intending to fulfill the mitzvah. Okay, so that's really interesting because that seems to blow everything that Rabbi Shachter Rebrodi set up, right? Right. There's no obviously if there's no problem, right? On Shpinia Seret, you ate in the sukkah and you didn't make a bracha, and that was great. So on Simchat Torah, you're doing the same thing. Who needs this additional thing of putting stuff on the roof? Rabbi Clapper. So to say something else. He says about lishan basukkah, but to sleep in the sukkah, That's really usher. Because you don't usually make the bracha anymore when you go to sleep in the sukkah. When you go to sleep in the sukkah, that might look like you're fulfilling the mitzvah. So therefore, he says, all this, all the issues of creating an image don't, don't relate to eating in the sukkah at all. They only relate to sleeping in the sukkah. And he said, but then he, then he adds to something, but he adds something which complicates life further. And he says, but that which you said in the Gemara, which we just quoted about that there's no baltosif when it's not during the time. It says, me and he did malchus leka. Let's be very careful. It says, that Abayas says, if this were right, then you should get Malkos for sleeping in the Sukkah on Shemini Yetzirah. And he said, and we reject that. He says, no, when we reject it, we don't mean you don't violate Baltosif. We just mean you don't get Malkos. Or you don't get lashes, but there might still be a biblical violation. Okay. So this, right, um, right, and the Shrav said, right, it, the, that it sounds like from the language of the Gemara, his proof is very odd, but I'll take his word for it now. The language of the Gemara seems to imply that uh, that there is a biblical problem of baltostif about sleeping in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret and Simchas Torah, but that eating shouldn't be an issue at all. Okay, and now you can see that the Aguda, who's a, a later, or a, another later uh, um, Rishon, probably also quoting the Rav Yad, quotes the same principle, right, that there's still a prohibition, and then he says, but he says, you know what, some people do sleep in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret. And they say when the Gemara says that you're not right, when the Gemara says that um, that you're not supposed to, that, that you're not supposed to, there's the prohibition of sleeping in the Sukkot Shemini Yitzharit. That's talking about in Israel, because in Israel there's a uh, in Israel there's a right, there's no mitzvah, there's no sveikat yoma. So if you sleep in the Sukkot Shemini Yitzharit, then it's obvious that it's not that that it's for the that you're trying to extend the mitzvah. But in Chuslaritz we're just doing it because of sveikat yoma. So they slept in the sukkah anyway, despite this problem of um, of because they thought that the rabbinic permission overrode it. Okay, what do they do on the ninth day? We don't know. Right? Maybe they wouldn't sleep on the ninth. Maybe um, maybe they would say, okay, eating. Right? The most simple thing is they would eat. They would eat on the ninth day without a problem because they don't make a bracha, and they would say that if you want to sleep in the sukkah on Sanchez Torah, they would agree you have to make some kind of hacker. Okay, now the, the truth is that all this comes from a very long review. This is the last source on page two. And rather than read it, uh, read it out loud, I'm just going to um, give you highlights and then look at the asterisk line. The, um, the, what the Rabbi said is trying to solve. Is not, he's not interested in sukkahs at all. What he's interested in is, why don't we, why is there no concert of Seika Dioma on Purim? Why shouldn't every place have to read Megillah on both the 14th and the 15th? Because we don't know which day is Purim. 
So you could say, oh, that's just a rabbinic holiday in the first place. But he rejects that answer. So what he says is, really, um, right, right, if you look at the second asterisk, um, he says, It's really the third asterisk, right? The, um, right about, about, ten, about 10 lines to the bottom. Right, so why do we make two days yantiv about Sukkot and Pesach? He says, you know what? Really, the whole reason for two days yantiv is not, has no relationship to the positive aspects of yantiv. It's just to avoid biblical violations. So since Purim has no violations, it's not a big deal. The implication is, right, so now we have to figure out, so what is it, what is it, what, right, what is it, right, why do we bother, uh, why do we bother eating in the sukkah on Shemini Yatzeret? So his answer is, you know what, we eat in the sukkah on Shemini Yatzeret because there's no risk of baltosif because we don't make a bracha. But if we laid the Megillah on both days, we would have to make a bracha on both days, and there would be a problem of baltosif. So that's why we don't lay it. Right, so really, he said there really would be a problem of baltosif. It's just we're saved from that problem of baltosif by the absence of a bracha. Okay, so that seems to be like one line of argument in the Rishonin, which is that the, the problem is some kind of, maybe even more than appearance of baltosif, but some kind of actuality of second level baltosif, if you, right? If you continue the mitzvah of sukkah past day seven, but it doesn't apply to eating at all because not making a bracha is enough, it only applies to sleeping. Okay, so that would seem to be uh, inconsistent with um, both Rabbi Shechter and uh, Anna Rabbi Brody. Okay, let's turn on to page three. Okay, so here we start on page three. We're going to start with the Gemara that actually explicitly addresses this question. Seems like it. So there's a Mishnah which says that sukkah, you keep sukkah seven days, and the Gemara says, Gemar, um, And I'm going to write in, in, the, in my text the, um, the, the small print times in Roman is Rashi. So, if you finish eating your meal during the day of the last day of sukkah, you shouldn't yet completely undo your sukkah. Right now, we're in Israel. This is Cholmoid, right? It's the last day of Cholmoid. You eat your lunch meal. You shouldn't take your sukkah apart. Because even if you're not going to eat in the sukkah again, but it's still the last day of sukkah, and you should, if you want to sleep, if you want to learn, you should do it in the sukkah. Um, and, and if you want to, and if you end up eating again, right, so then you'll go back to the sukkah. So what do you do? What you should do is take the stuff out of the sukkah. And the kalim, Rashi seems to think, means your food stuff. Because he adds on and also your, your bedding. So what you do at the end of Cholomoed is you take out your food, your food preparation, your food eat serving stuff, you take out your bedding, because there's a, there's a Mishnah in the previous prayer which said that on Sukkot you're supposed to bring all your foods, all your food, serve your, your plates and your mattress to the Sukkot. So on the, on the last day of Cholomoed, you take out the plates and you take out the mattress. Why? Because of the kavod of Shemini Aseret. So Rashi says, what does that mean? Because you're showing that you're that it's still it's cholamoid, and you're spending your time in cholamoid preparing for yantiv. Why? Because you're not going to eat in the sukkah, and you're not going to sleep in the sukkah. So on the last day of cholamoid, you're supposed to take your stuff out of the sukkah. Okay, that's how Rashi understands this Mishnah. It has nothing to do with Baltosif. 
right? It has to do with the idea that you should prepare for, you should look like you're preparing for Shemini Atzeret on the assumption that the way to prepare for Shemini Atzeret is to take the things out of the sukkah back into the house because Shemini Atzeret, you're going to be eating and sleeping in the house. But what about in Chuzlaretz? Where on Shemini Atzeret, you'll still be eating in the sukkah and maybe, maybe we'll get to that and, maybe, and sleeping in the sukkah. Okay, so what it right? So, um, Okay, so now we go back to our friend, the, um, the Aguda. So Aguda says, well, we have a problem in Chutzlaretz. He says, because for us, you can't do this on the last day of Cholomoid because we're going to eat in the sukkah anyway. So what are we, right? Um, and if you say we're supposed to do this on Shemini Atzeret to prepare for Simchas Torah, so first of all, what she doesn't raise, like, really, is there a mitzvah on Shemini Atzeret to prepare for Simchas Torah? Shemini Atzeret is really the halacha, right, the, the, the real day. Simchas Torah is just a Rabbanon that might be that day. Why would there be a mitzvah to prepare on Shemini Atzeret for Simchas Torah? But he has another problem. His problem is, he says, hang on a sec. If I, right, I'm not allowed to prepare on one, on one yantif or another. So if I take my stuff out on Shemini Atzeret afternoon, because now I'm going back into the house to prepare for Simchas Torah, I'm preparing on one yantif or another, and that's usher. So he has an interesting compromise. He says, take this stuff out of the sukkah, bring it into the house, but don't set it up yet. Right, leave your plates and your mattress in the wrong place in the house. So it doesn't look like it. Okay. Uh, to me, this is, I think, you know, it's very odd because we should just say, is no, there's no mitzvah. Right? There's no mitzvah to prepare for, right? To prepare for the next yantiv on this yantiv. Just don't do it. He has a compromise. Fine. Okay. Now we go back to the Gemara about this Mishnah. The Gemara asks the following question. The Gemara says, Ain lo makom lo read of mahu. Right? So now, right, we're, it's the last day of Cholomoed. And you want to take your right, and you want to take your stuff out of the sukkah the way the mission tells you to, but you have no place to put your stuff. We're not talking about we don't know why yet, but you have no place to put your stuff. So the says, what am I supposed to do? So Rebchia Bar Ashi says, what you're supposed to do is do what Rabbi Brody says. Make a right, make pochet ba'arba, take a four by four tefach space out of the roof of the sukkah. Okay, whereas Rabbi Shua says, light a candle somewhere. Okay, we don't know what Rabbi Shua is talking about. And we don't know, right, um, but we know, right, we know what Rabbi Barash is talking about. Rabbi says that when you make a hole in the sukkah, it sounds like, and maybe and that's probably what Rabbi Shua is doing also, is you're finding some way to show that the mitzvah of the sukkah is over. But this has nothing to do with Baltosif, probably, Maybe, I don't know. I have to figure out if it has to do with Baltosif or not. Maybe it's about some way of just showing that this yantiv is over. I don't know. Like I said, the little they're not arguing. Halan v'halahu. One of them is talking about Eretz Yisrael, and one of them is talking about us. Okay, so now we know where the, where, where the good was coming from. Apparently, this is something that applies even in Chuslarets. Okay. Like I said, ah, so that applies in a sukkah katana that works. What about a sukkah gedola? And Rebbe says, in a sukkah gedola, what you have to do is, right, what you have to do is you have to bring in the, what he calls, money de michla, um, kalim for eating. Okay, this is very weird. We don't know what this means. We just said you're supposed to bring your, you were supposed to bring your kalim for eating in the very beginning of Sogas. What are you doing bringing them in now? Right, how, is it, right, how does that make things better? Should it make things worse? It looks like it's a mitzvah all over again. So this is a very odd Gemara. We don't really know what's going on. So let's take a look at what the way the Ramam phrases. it. Right? We're still on page three. So Ramam says, if you finish eating on the seventh day, don't finish your sukkah, right? That's the quote of the Mishnah. If you have no place to move your stuff out of the sukkah on Cholomoed, 
Then you, what you do is, he says, you take the, right, this is in Israel, right, so you do what the, the Mara says, the impression is you, you do what everybody suggested, and you put the, you put the tablecloth over the sukkah. he says, but nowadays, we make two yantav, we sit in the sukkah eight days. And on the eighth day, which is yantav rishon shoshmini atzeres, what we do is we sit in the sukkah and we don't make a bracha. As the Gemara says explicitly, we'll have to get to right, where the Hasidic Minad comes from otherwise. If you finish eating on the, on the eighth day, you take out your stuff and you empty the sukkah. If you have no place to read kelav, if it's a small sukkah, you put a menorah into it. Why does that make it better? We don't know. It might have gedola, and if it's a big sukkah, so you put in all sorts of you put in all sorts of things that ordinarily would not be in the serving room, it wouldn't be in your dining room, right? You take stuff that normally belongs in the kitchen and you put it in the dining room because we understood that a sukkah is a one-room space. And so we say that you're supposed to live in the sukkah the way you live at home. It didn't mean that you're supposed to have all the rooms of your house in the sukkah. It means you're supposed to have the dining room and the bedroom and not the kitchen. Um, Okay, but now here the Ramah says, here's Rakhilani. He says, why do you do these things? Why do you bring the menorah into the sukkah? Why do you bring the, the, the cooking utensils into the sukkah? In order to show that it is pasul, and that its mitzvah is done. He says, what are we talking about now? It was now, Shemina Sarit is over, and you're supposed to do something, says the Rambam to make it clear that the, the mitzvah of sukkah is over. Okay, but why are we supposed to make it clear the mitzvah of sukkah is over? So, could be because we're worried about baltosif. But in order to make you worried about baltosif, we'd have to assume you're going to eat there. And the Rama never said you're going to eat in the sukkah. So maybe, right, so what is he talking about then, right? What's the issue? Why would you have to, why would you have to do anything if, right, if you're not going to eat in the sukkah, why do you have to mess something up? So there's a kolbo, Another medieval work, Kolbo says the following. Uh, he quotes the Rambam, right? And then he says, after he quotes the Rambam, he, um, he says the Haram, that's not the Rambam, that's probably the mayor of Rothenburg, I think. And no heg belel motzei sukkot, la'alot l'sukkah, v'notel rishut imena v'omer, hiratzon sh'nizkeh l'shana ha'ba'ah l'sheh b'sukkah sh'leviyatan. Right, so mayor of Rothenburg would, on motzei sukkot, would go to the sukkah and say goodbye. And I look forward to Bisman Mashiach sitting in a bigger sukkah. Um, so the question is, what does Mosei Sukkot mean? When did the Rebbe of Rothenberg go and say goodbye to the sukkah? Now that language, right, he quotes the Ramam, right, he's talking about, right, Kidei, right, Lakir. to show that it's now puzzle, uh, whatever, whether puzzle really means puzzle or just symbolically puzzle is not the of Shirem, so he says the following. Luva Bisfarim is quoted in books that the, the Vilna Gaon um, used to be makbid on the last day of Pesach, when he made Havdalah, the last night of Pesach, when say Pesach, he made Havdalah, he would make Havdalah on beer because he wanted to eat chametz. Havdalah had to involve chametz. Okay, and he said the reason for it was this halacha Right in the Gemara, that says you're supposed to bring the bring the menorah in, 
or bring the uh, right or bring or bring the bedding in. And the great other things like this, right? He would eat he would eat stuff made of chadash on Cholamoid Pesach to show that the iser that the iser no longer applied. Um, right, and the, and he would also um, he would explain that's why we make havdal on fire on Yom Kippur, right? Because the way the the way the the, the rav uh, phrase it, this is the asterisk line. Da'ato shakol mitzvah hatzliyah bizman yesh chiyuv harot shenigmar zman hamitzvah. Right, so the, the rav claims that the Vilna Gaon had a had a had a custom based on our Gemara that there's a an obligation of some sort whenever a mitzvah is time bound to show that the time is over. So according to that reading of the Vilna Gaon, and right, that's his that. I think it's clearly his pshat in the Rambam. The whole issue has nothing whatsoever to do with baltosif, any kind of baltosif at all. It's a separate thing that you're supposed to do something to show that the time of the mitzvah is over. And what the Vilna Gaon held was that that applies after Shemini Yatserah, it applies after the right, it applies after Sveika Diyoma. Okay? So no issue, right? So really the, the question about eating in the, there's no issue about eating in the um, in the Sukkah on Simchas Torah. Eating is irrelevant. It's just that there's a mitzvah to do something before Simchas Torah happens, or at the moment that Simchas Torah happens. Right? That's the right. That seems to be the way the Vilna Gaon reads it. So there's a whole, a whole different um, framing of it. And the Gemara tells you what the things you should do are: that you should bring in a menorah, or you should bring in eating utensils. But we don't really don't know how does that work. How does that work? It seems that those are just ways of showing you know what we're done with the mitzvah now. But we're not trying to prevent baltosi. We're just trying to show we're done with the mitzvah. Okay. Um, so now the question is, right? You know, does that really? Should that really apply to us in Chutzlaris? I guess it could. Right? That on the era of Simchas Torah, we should do something to show that even the mitzvah of the eighth day is over. Okay. One possibility. The the the, the, the Rav said then, but you know, this seems like a bit of a stretch. Gemara sounds like it's talking about sukkah. It doesn't talk, talk about everything else. Um, I agree. On the other hand, uh, on the other hand, we'll see. Maybe there's something special about Shmini Atzeret. And maybe the way to respond to this to say is maybe we don't have to buy into this claim that there's a lacha that you have to there's a lacha that you have to um, and right that the, what the Gemara is talking about is a lacha that you have to show the end of every time down mitzvah. Maybe what the Mishnah and the Gemara are both talking about is that because Shemini Atzeret is easily confused with Sukkot, what we have to do is show that there's a bound, that Sukkot is over and Shemini Atzeret has started. The only question is, right, is that really a mitzvah between Shemini Atzeret and Simchas Torah or not? It's a little bit confusing. Okay, that's a bit of a weakness in that approach. Why would you need to do something between the eighth and the ninth day if that's the case? That doesn't really protect Shemini Atzeret. It really does the reverse. It absorbs Shmini Yatzeret into Sukkot and makes Simchas Torah Shmini Yatzeret. Okay. But that's, I think that's, uh, right, so we have one approach which says that there is an issue of Baltosif, but the issue of Baltosif is about sleeping, not eating, because eating is solved by the bracha. We have another approach which says that nobody in the Gemara ever mentioned Baltosif. Baltosif is gone, right? The Gemara says there's no Baltosif. The idea the Aguda came up with that there's still an Isser who says the only issue the Gemara is talking about is some way of marking the end of the mitzvah for its own sake not to prevent Baltus. Okay, where does the approach that, um, that it seems that both uh, the Piske Corona and Rabbi are coming, uh, adopt come from? It comes, as, as the Piske Corona said, it comes from Rashi. So let's look at the way Rashi reads that so good. Now we're on the top of page four. 
Rashi says, "Ein lo makom acher lo read kelav lechol sham biyom tov acharon." Right, so Rashi completely transforms the sugya. Rashi says that the issue in the Mishnah is not, right, how do I show that Sukkot is over and Shemini Yatzeret has begun? The issue is, all right, which, is ir- which has nothing to do with whether I'm going to eat in the Sukkot afterwards or not. Rashi says the problem, the Gemara says, okay, I understand that you can solve that issue. Right? You can solve that issue on Cholomoed by, by, by invalidating the Sukkot, by, or by taking all your stuff out of the Sukkot. Take all your stuff out of the Sukkot, you've shown that it's not Sukkot anymore, Shemini Yatzeret. But, says Rashi, what happens if you can't take your stuff out of the sukkah, not because you have no place to store it, but because you have, right, because you need to leave them in the sukkah because you're going to eat there. So Rashi says that what the, what Rashi says, what the whole problem of the Gemara is to say, you know what, we, the Mishnah is fine as a solution as long as you're not going to eat there. But what if you're really going to eat there? And Rashi says, what's the problem you're going to eat there? He says, ma'u yaseh, l'hochiyah, Right, so this is exactly where 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 the Piskei Kerner by Brody come from. They say the issue is, uh, right, the issue is how do I, um, right, right, if I'm going to eat in the sukkah, eat in the sukkah, right. So we're not going with the first approach we took. I'm going to eat in the sukkah on the eighth day. What do I do to prove that I am not? Um, what, do I, what, what do I do to prove that I'm not um, doing the mitzvah? And for Rashi, apparently, it's not enough to say that the reason that I'm not going to make a bracha, right? Because that doesn't show up in the Gemara. So that approach, Rashi rejects out of hand. It's not enough. Okay, so Gemara says, right, what's, one possibility Rashi says is that you, what you do is you, you make a hole in the sukkah, right? This is all in Eretz Yisrael. We're not talking about chutzlars anymore. Or, um, or you, you light a candle because we see, in the Gemara later, later it says, you're not allowed to have whatever this nair is, a shraga, the sukkah tana. You're not, right, that should go outside the sukkah. And the Gemara says, right, halan v'halahu, so Rashi says, what does that mean? Livnei Bavil, according to us in, in diaspora, Shashmini Shalem Suffix Shvi, that for us, the right uh, for us, the um the eighth day uh, of Shmini Yatsarat is really a suffix about being the seventh day. Because we don't know when the moon is. Right? So what you do is you can do some some other kind of marker. You can just um, you can just right, you can just um, light whatever this nair is, just as a hacker. Was there Israel, right? They don't have they don't have this problem. They can invalidate on on on, um, on sukkahs and right that only. But whatever it is, the trick with the candle only works in a small sukkah, not in a big sukkah. So what do we do in our big sukkahs? You bring in the you bring in the meal, right? So that's exactly the kind of thing um, Rav Shechter is uh, talking about. The problem is that Rashi's pshat. Uh, is really very odd for any number of reasons. Um, it's really like, how does bringing a candle in prove that you don't intend it for the mitzvah, right? But that, so we'll, we'll talk about what the candle is and a whole disputes about that. So let's, let's follow it through. So Tosfos, first of all, says, it says you're supposed to take a four by four tefach space out. What is a four by four tefach space, Tosfos says? In order to invalidate sukkah, what you need is a three tefach space between the walls and the sock. Right, what is four tefachim going to do if you're supposed to? Rashi says, take four tefachim and you possible the sukkah. How do you possible the sukkah? Very right with a four tefach thing. So you could claim that it's talking about a, a, a minimal sukkah, and a minimal sukkah is seven tefachim. So if you take out four tefachim of it, you've invalidated the sukkah. But that's really odd because Rashi says that the small, when the Gemara says this is the small sukkah, this is the big sukkah, it's talking about 
the um, it's talking about the um, the candle and not the four by four. So that's one problem in Russia. We don't know what the four by four thing is doing at all. Um, okay, another problem the rush says. Right. So you take a look at the rush. We're still this work. The rush says. Um, yeah. The rush says right. So let's start the rush from the very beginning on page four. Rashi explains, and he says, Mashri took Pirusho. It sounds like from Rashi, the Sukkotana, Sarikl had Ligba Tanir, Kidechlohi Nira Kivaltosif Mashiokh Babalaila. So you have to light the candle in the small sukkah to show that it's not Baltosif when you eat there at night. So we don't know how it does this. And the Rush says, What? Patema, whatever this is, Vatemali, Shalaraiti Mishasak, and I've never seen anybody go out of their way to light something in order to allow you to eat in the sukkah. On the right in, in, the, in the sukkah to avoid baltosif, and furthermore, he says, uh, it sounds like it sounds like to him. Rabbi Shulban Levi said this is only true if you don't have enough space to take your kalim out. But according to Rashi, this should be true regardless. Okay, that's a weak question. Right? He says, don't tell me you can tell me Rashi. We're talking about somebody who took you take the kalim in and put them out. That, right? That's really that's really um, that's really that, that's that's really silly. And if that's the case, if you took the kalim out and you bring them back in, that he thinks that would be enough of a heck here anyway. Okay, so now we have, we have two issues in Rashi. One is, what is this four by four? And two is, um, nobody ever does this, right? Where did this whole custom come from? Okay, and then Tospa says, right, really odd things are, right, odd things are happening here with the, um, what is this candle doing bringing in the sukkah? So Tospa's answer is, ah, it's a, it's a, whatever it is in a small sukkah of some kind of light, you're worried the sukkah is going to burn down. So the reason you have to bring the sukkah, the candle into the sukkah, if you want to eat in the sukkah, is because if you do something dangerous, that will make clear it's not for the mitzvah. Why should you do something dangerous? It's really odd, right? If you turn, the, turn to page um, five, you'll see that, uh, actually, I left out, uh, did, I, did I put them in? Uh, I guess I didn't put those things in. Okay, there are lots of other, um, oh, I see why. Okay, so there, um, okay. So what the um, okay? So the, the rush ends up. What the rush says is he thinks. Actually, I should go back to the rush. I'm sorry. Uh, what the rush ends up saying is that um, there are four lines at the end of the rush. He says, "But you're lefarish." Rabbi Shulben Levi says to Bnei Bavel to light the candle when you have no space to be Murikelav. He's talking about on the eighth night when you want to when you want to sit there in Shmini Atzeret. Ilchak Tzerek Lasotekesh and Oberbal Bevel Tosif. Right, so he's, so the, the rush says originally I thought it meant the seventh. I thought that it meant that you light the candle before Shmini Atzeret. That ends up making no sense to him at all. So he says the only way to make sense of Rashi is that you light the candle on the eighth night. Okay, and Tosfos says because we're afraid that you're gonna you're afraid you're gonna burn it down, so that proves you're not doing it for the mitzvah. Uh, I, I have to say this strikes me as really as really really weird. As all the other explanations, you look at page five. Um, you'll see that there are people who say that it's too hot and you want to leave, or people are afraid that, um, um, yeah, right, and right, no one really has a really great explanation of this, um, of this Rashi. Like, what are you trying to do? And to me, the big problem with it is your meal on Rosh Hashanah on Simchas Torah is a yuntiv meal. How is it possible to say that in order to avoid the problem of Baltosif, you're going to eat your, you're going to make you do something that makes your yontiv meal unpleasant. Right? Roshachter started off by saying that we allow a shfus to shfus to let you have guests because that's part of simchas yontiv. 
Well, it's not simchas yamtiv to eat in a place that you're afraid is going to burn down. It's not simchas yamtiv to eat in a place that's going to become impossibly hot. It's not simchas yamtiv to eat in a place that feels right to make your dining room feel like your kitchen. The whole reason that you're not allowed to bring your your um, your serving utensils into the um, into into the sukkah is because it makes it feel like it's not yamtiv. Right? When you have your kitchen in your you have your kitchen in your dining room. Now we're saying on Shpinyas, on Simcha Torah, you have to bring this stuff in order to eat there. Doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, so I have deep problems with um, I have deep problems with um, with Rashi's shot. And also I don't really understand what is the Baltosif issue if you already ate in the sukkah on the eighth day. Right? So we ate the sukkah on the eighth day, so we already extended it past sukkahs. So what is going on on the ninth day? Right? Why are we all of a sudden raising the Baltosif issue on the ninth day? As, a, right, as opposed to the eighth day, right? So we already explained that the, the other Rishonim say, right, the Ashkenazi, the, uh, right, the Rav Yos says, because there's no bracha, so there's no problem with eating, the only problem is sleeping. But since the Rashi explicitly rejects that and says we're talking about eating, you don't really understand what's going on. Okay, the Rav has this amazing, uh, amazing fancy lumbus to try and solve this problem, in which he says that Shmini Yatseret, a Sveka Dioma, is different than all the other Sveka Diomas. All other sveka diomas, um, the Rav says, are, there are two aspects to them. There's the suffolk aspect of them. Maybe it's the previous day. And then the rabbis added on a, uh, added on a rabbinic notion that today is definitely a yantiv derabanan. But on Shemini Yatserah, the rabbi didn't want to make it definitely a yantiv derabanan of sukkahs because that would interfere with the kedusha of Shemini Yatserah. So all that is left on Shemini Yatserah is the right is the um, is the suffix and so he suggests okay so that um right so, so that's why we don't make the brach on eating in the sukkah because we don't want to interfere with um with uh with and therefore the rough thinks that rashi really thinks you do all this on the on the on the eighth on the, on the night of the eighth before shminyat the whole problem is shminyat and the Gemara never talks about simplest at all because Simchas Torah is not an issue. The only issue is Shmini Yatzeret, because Shmini Yatzeret is really a Baltosev issue because, of, because it's not really a Yantiv, it's just a Suffolk, and if it's a Suffolk, why should you do it? So the Gemara says, so he doesn't, so according to the Rav, the only relationship between Rashi and the, uh, relationship between Rashi and the, different um, Al-Machluk is between Rashi and the Rav Yah, is the Rav Yah says that for, uh, that for eating, um, it's enough to, it's enough to, to not make the bracha, and Rashi says that's not enough, you also have to bring the, they also have to bring the kitchen into the sukkah. Again, that seems really weird to me because you're making your, your thing uncomfortable. And secondly, I think if you read Rashi, you'll see that there's, uh, as the Rashi ends up saying, there's, it's almost no choice, no question that Rashi is talking about the eighth night, not the seventh night. But we end up, right, so the Rosh Lamdas is great, but I, 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 I can't see it as a plausible shot in Rashi. Um, so at the end of the day, I find Rashi's shot um, extraordinarily difficult. It doesn't, it doesn't explain the dollar that the the limiting you know making the symbolic um hole in the sukkah it doesn't really explain plausibly what bringing the candle in does it doesn't really explain plausibly what bringing in the utensils do um and it requires assuming there's a baltosev issue which is against the gemara um right so the, the rabbi did that also but he has a way out of it and rashi doesn't have a way out of it so i find rashi's shot very very um very, very um, difficult. There is one amazing claim, which is the, the last line of page five, the Meiris has one suggestion. He says, maybe what you do when you bring the stuff in is, we're dealing with a minimal sukkah and you bring the stuff in, 
then uh, right, what you do is you you right, you make it smaller than a shear of sukkah. Okay, that's like then why bring the candle in? Bring anything into that size, right? Why bring the why bring the food things in? Really, really weird. So I find Rashi's shot extraordinarily uh, extraordinarily difficult. Okay, so at the end of the day, right, we have three lines of reasoning. We have the Rav Yah, who says that there's a baltosif issue, but only for sleeping. We have the Rambam who says it has nothing to do with Baltosev. It's about um, keeping the Kedusha of Shmini Atzeret, which we're not sure how that really well applies to Chutzlaretz. And we have Rashi who says it really is a Baltosev issue. It relates to eating, but which is extremely difficult to follow. Okay, so that's just following the lines of the Rishonim out. So now the issue we have to address is what's the Halacha? So if you look at the tour, um, even though I have a clear root, rooting interest, right, it'll be clear, the, clear which way the tour goes, the tour quotes Rashi word for word. Okay. All right. He says, even the, if you finish your meal on the seventh day, don't destroy your sukkah. But if you want to eat on Shemini, okay, you have to make a heker to avoid Baltosif on the eighth day. Right. The whole problem is this Rabban version of Baltosif. And then he says, that's only for the Israelis. Because, but they don't have to, because they, they don't have to sit there on the eighth day, and the seventh day is whole. But we, who have to sit there on the eighth day, so, right? So we cannot passel the sukkah at all on the seventh day. That would be silly. Because we're going to have to sit in the kosher sukkah on the eighth day. So what good does it do to make it passel? If we want to sit there on Simchas Torah, there's no mitzvah. We can't do anything to make it right to make it possible on the eighth, it takes yantiv. Right? This is exactly our problem. So what does the tourist say, Masay la kera? If it's a small one, put the candle in. If it's a big one, um, right, put the kitchen materials in. Um, right, and then so we end up exactly where the Pisca Corona says we should. We right, it would be Baltos if we ate Masuka on the ninth day, and we can't solve it the way the the things the Gemara gave don't work for us. Why? Well, we don't use candles for lights. So whatever the candle is supposed to do, it's not going to be relevant for us. And why don't we just bring in the cooking utensils? So I think the answer is, doesn't, right? So Roshetra said it's because our cooking utensils aren't disgusting. Uh, I think it's more like, why, you know, it's yantiv. It doesn't make any sense to people to say that we're supposed to make a yantiv meal uncomfortable. So we're stuck. So what do we do, right? So right at the end of the tour, we would end up exactly where the Piskei Corona does. But I think if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, it's something really interesting. Shulchan Aruch is almost word for word the tour in the first half. Uh, but then watch it the line, right? Remember, so the, if you look at back at the tour on page six, the tour said, us, aval anu, right? Four, four lines to the bottom of the tour, aval anu, shetrichin leshev bab, leshev bab echet. Here, I'm going to share my screen momentarily so we can look at it together. Because um, here I think it does matter that we... Um, I think it does matter that we do it that way, but oh, darn, okay, never mind. Uh, I will I will not share my screen because I don't have the right thing up. Okay, right. So the tourist says, right, the key thing is on the we for us, ain la sotba shum that's the bolded line of the tour. We should not do anything to make it puzzle. So that's the the issue is to make it puzzle. Okay, but on this very same line, right, here's what the Shulchan Aruch says. The Shulchan Aruch says, um, right, what are we supposed to, what are we supposed to do? Right, he says, Imi Gedola, if it's a big, the last line of the Shulchan Imi Gedola, if we have a big sukkah, where there's no problem of bringing candles in, 
because we can stay far away from them. It doesn't make it uncomfortable. It doesn't make it dangerous. Why? So that language, right? That language is is not taken from Rashi. That language is exactly taken from the Rambam. And the Rambam said the issue had nothing to do with Baltosif. The Rambam says the issue has to do with with Yantif. So I want to argue, all right? I want to argue that in the, that actually. The tour and the, the tour and the Shulchan Aruch are not going in the same direction at all. The tour says that it's like Rashi and the issue is Baltosif, but the Shulchan Aruch says the issue is not Baltosif at all. The issue is making clear that Simchas Torah, um, that Simchas Torah is over in some sort of way. All right? What would the difference be? The difference would be, I think, that um, lining of the way we did it, that if you think the issue is Baltosif. So then to solve that, even if it's appearance of, right, so to solve that, it makes sense that you have to actually invalidate the sukkah. But if you think the issue is just some kind of symbolic recognition that we're, we're done with sukkahs and we've begun with Shemini Yatserah, not because of Baltosif, but because of the honor of um, Simchas Torah, so then it should probably be enough to do some kind of symbolic gesture the way that um, Rabbi Brody did. So if we, right, so if we frame it this way, it seems to me the result turns out to be that the Shulchan Aruch follows the Rambam and the, um, and the halacha is that really all we need is a symbolic um, undoing of the sukkah, which means you don't have to call your non-Jewish uh, neighbor over to take down all the schach. It's enough, as Rabbi Brody suggested, to just throw a, right, just throw a plastic tablecloth over a corner of the sukkah. And that shows, okay, right, you know, that, that we're done something symbolic to make it clear that this is now Simchus Torah and not um, and not uh, and not Shemini, this is now Shemini and Sarat, and not Sukkot. Okay, but the truth is that there are radically other approaches that um, that are not they're not in the Rishonim. But uh, we'll look at very quickly. So we're on page seven. The Tanhuma um, says the exact opposite. Tanhuma says that really Shemini and is supposed to be part of Sukkot. The only reason Tanhuma says that we don't sit in the Sukkot on Shemini and Sarat is because God, we pray for rain on Shemini Yetzirah, and if we were going to sit in a sukkah, we wouldn't pray for rain with real kavana, because we get wet. So the right, so the so the Tanchuma says that really there should there's no problem there shouldn't be any problem about Tosif at all. There shouldn't be any problem with sitting on the sukkah on Shemini Yetzirah, and there shouldn't be any idea of Shemini Yetzirah being separate. Really, Shemini Yetzirah is just part of sukkahs. It's just we don't have the midst of sitting in the sukkah in order to let us pray for rain um, more seriously. Okay, right. Um, very nice. However, the Alka Shimoni quotes an approach which is exactly the reverse, and he says that the re- right, that the reason the Torah uh, read that the, they says that you have to puzzle your sukkah. Why? You have to puzzle your sukkah exactly as we said in the Rambam, because otherwise Shmini Atzeret would lose its distinctiveness. And the whole reason is to right is to is right, is, is to preserve the distinctiveness of Shmini Atzeret. Again, no issue of um, no issue at all of Baltos. If you look at the last. The last line of it, where the asterisk is in Yalkut Shimoni, he says, Why does the Torah make you go out of your way and go back into your house instead of staying in the sukkah? Because we want to make sure that Shemini Yatzer is separate. Okay, the Yerushalmi fits in very well with that, um, with that framework, but the Yerushalmi has a fine solution. The Yerushalmi says, you know what we're going to do? All you have to do is make Kiddush inside the house. Make Kiddush in the house, and now you make clear that it's not sukkahs anymore, and then go out and eat your meal in the sukkah. Okay, but the Yishalmi doesn't fly 
um, right? Because uh, we hold, and there, this is already is raised in the Yerushalmi, but they solve it, but in the Babli, this is unsolvable. We hold, probably all know, in Kiddush Makam Suda, right? We don't allow people to make Kiddush in a different place than they're going to eat, and therefore, we can't use the solution um, because, right, just tell people to make Kiddush indoors wouldn't help for us in terms in nowadays anyway because we don't allow Kiddush. So we need a different solution to make Shemini Yatzeret, uh, to make Shemini Yatzeret unique. Okay. So here, we, right, so now we're up to the, uh, right, to the last, um, last section. So we're on page, we're on page eight. On page eight, we get to the Bach. There's a commentary on the tour. And I should say that uh, the analysis I've given you so far uh, in terms of the difference between the Ramam and Rashi, that comes from an article uh, by Rav Chaim Sabato, who's the um, uh, the founder and uh, co-Rosh Yeshiva of, um, of Yeshivat uh, Malayo Dumim. Um, and a lot of the rest of it comes from this Bach. Okay, so the Bach, right, so this is Revival Circus. We're in the uh, 16th century now. Um, so he, he quotes Rashi, and then he quotes the Rosh's astonishment, the Rosh says, what did, Rashi has this crazy idea that you have to do this, you have to bring the candle in or bring the, the cooking utensils in on the, on, the, on the eighth night. Nobody ever does this. So here's what the Bach says. He says, or seven lines down. It seems to me the Rosh's problem is no difficulty. I can explain why nobody ever does what Rashi said we should do. Why is he says? Dipshita, it's obvious that if you have some, it's obvious that as long as you have some place else to put your stuff, obviously, right, if you took all the stuff you brought into the sukkah out, that would be enough. Uh, right, all the stuff you took into the sukkah to sleep on. Right, so if you, if what you did in the mission, if the mission, if you took all your mattress out of the sukkah on the seventh day, says the Bach, that would be enough. And therefore, he says, Rashi's claim in order to in order to eat in the sukkah, you need to bring in stuff. That doesn't, that we would never do that because it's only talking about a case where which the Gemara says, the Gemara asks us, the, the structure of the Gemara is as follows. The Mishnah says, what you should do is you should take your stuff out. And then the Gemara says, what if you have no place to bring to take your stuff to? So the Bach says, I know what that means. It means you have no place else to take your sleeping stuff. Then you have to do fancy stuff in order to eat there, because if you're going to sleep in the sukkah, then right, then if you're also going to eat in the sukkah, we have a baltosif problem. But if you if you had your mattress in the sukkah, and then you took it out before shmini atzeret or before simchas Torah, taking out your mattress makes it clear that you're not doing the mitzvah the same way, and therefore the Bach says, forget the question of the bracha, right? The bracha the bracha isn't enough. But there shouldn't be any problem with just eating in the sukkah, especially without a bracha, as long as you're not sleeping in the sukkah, because that differentiates you from um, from everything else. And therefore, the Bach says, and as we get the asterisk, he says, "Lina halacha." So for Pesach, it seems to him, olam." The universal custom is, or the almost universal custom is, What people do is they take their mattresses out of the sukkah in advance, uvalayla oklin basukkah, and but then at night, Shmini Yatzer at night, they eat in the sukkah or on the Simhastor night, and they don't need any hecker at all because just taking the mattresses is out enough, and he thinks that's shot in Rashi. 
Okay, that's not Pshat and Rashi, because Rashi says clearly he's talking about eating utensils and not just sleeping utensils. And, but okay, let's leave the question with it's Pshat and Rashi. Here's the thing about the Bach. What the Bach says, and I'll, I'll finish in five minutes, I apologize, I'm going over time. Um, what the Bach says is that the that all the halacha we had was based on the presumption that everything used to be different because we used to sleep, and on Shemina Sarah, you're not supposed to sleep in the sukkah. We started, we started by pointing out that the Rishonim will hold it's usher to sleep in the sukkah on Shemina Sarah. It's only mutter to eat there because you have the hecker of not making the bracha. So what the Bach says is that the custom used to be that you would make this hecker by not sleeping there. Okay, but that generates a whole problem for us. And right now, and right after the Bach's time, what happens? What happens is that the almost universal custom becomes among Western Europeans, right, is that people stop sleeping in the sukkah. And you never brought your mattress out there in the first place. So if you never brought your mattress out there in the first place, then you can't make a hecker by, right, you can't make a hecker by taking your mattress out. And if you don't have a hecker, if you don't have a hecker by taking your mattress out, so then you're back to the same, right? Now you're back to the same problem, which is that just if eating in the sukkah is doing the same thing as you're doing during sukkahs, so now all of a sudden you have a baltosif problem. Okay, now, now it might be that we could solve that problem by saying, if you're not making a bracha, that's enough. But that wasn't enough for Rashi. So that's how we get to the contemporary situation, right? right where what happens is that really, I think, that everyone understood that eating in the sukkah was never a baltosif problem. No one ever thought of that as a baltosif problem, but nobody ever thought of eating in the sukkah as a violation, right? There was, it wasn't relevant to making the heker. You should make the heker anyway to show it's not Shemini Yetzirah, but that you did before, before right, or to prepare for Shemini Yetzirah, but that you did in advance, right? That wasn't about, once Shemini Yetzirah came, if you hadn't done it, of course you ate in the sukkah. Once Simchus Yetzirah came, of course you ate in the sukkah. But what happened is, that once the, the standard way of keeping the mitzvah was just by eating, so now all of a sudden people said, hang on a sec, I'm keeping Shemini Yetzirah just the same way as I kept sukkahs. I'm keeping Simchas, right? If I eat in the sukkah on Simchas Torah, then I'll be just be doing it the same way I did on sukkahs. And that made people very uncomfortable. And correctly, according to Rashi, they didn't think the bracha was enough. So now there were a bunch of solutions to this. So the Bach says that he thinks that this is why all the customs arose of not eating in the sukkah on Shemini Yetzirah. He said, when, pe when people, when people um, slept in the sukkah during sukkahs, so then they didn't feel uncomfortable eating in the sukkah on Shemini Yetzirah, it wasn't a big deal. But when people stopped sleeping in the sukkah on sukkahs, and now they felt uncomfortable, now they think you have the, you have the problem that Rav, the Rav Yor raised. Isn't it Baltosif? It's just fake idioma. And so they stopped, so they said all sorts of customs developed about not eating in the sukkah, on, uh, not, eating, not eating at night in the sukkah, not eating during the day in the sukkah, all these sorts of customs arose. And the Bach thinks that, that they arose in order to resolve this very real new problem, which is that we don't have a way of making clear that just eating in the sukkah on Shemini Yetzirah is, um, right, is, uh, is not a continuation of the mitzvah. Um, okay. Right, so that's a that's a historical explanation. It doesn't tell us, right? That's how you get the idea. And now we have to do something else. We have to, um, right? We have to, right? And uh, we, have, right? But um, the problem is, but most of the things that doing something else involved, right, were things that made you uncomfortable, and that you shouldn't do any of either. So now we're really stuck. So you come up, right? So that's where you come back to the idea that what you need really is, is a um, is some kind of symbolic um, symbolic distinction, and that symbolic distinction 
I think, uh, I don't think you need, to, I, I think that the idea that you need to actually invalidate the sukkah was never the case just for eating. It was always the case, right? That, that, that relation, that thing only related to sleeping um, in, from the very beginning. But interesting question whether nowadays that, um, that eating is just a continuation of the mitzvah, whether you should go back to that um, or not. So the last thing on the Makar sheet um, I have is that Sitz Eliezer, Sitz Eliezer was asked a question, this is page nine, was about a shul that wanted to have its kiddush, not because of Corona, but just a regular year, wanted to have its kiddush in the sukkah on Simchas Torah. So, right, so the Siciliezer, uh, right now in the 20th century, right, of Oldenburg, the Siciliezer, right, is asked this question by his brother. And he says, look, I think that it should be enough to do something like bringing in the pots, right, or, right, um, right, I think that would be enough, right, just some kind of symbolic heck, you don't actually have to invalidate, invalidate the stucca. But at the end, he says something, right, he says something really important. He says, um, he says, if the whole problem is just that people will accuse you of, um, of violating Baltosif, well, it's in shul, and we have a principle in the Gemara which comes up in the context of Avodah Zarah, that uh, right, we don't, we have, there are lots of people in a certain place, we don't suspect them of going to bow down to an idol. So here too, he says, look, we're not going to uh, suspect the whole community of violating Baltosif. If the, but the principle is if the issue is something that is right, that is a broad communal issue as opposed to an individual choice, so then it's reasonable to say that we don't, we're not worried about the whole community uh, being suspected. Right? If the whole issue is just appearances, then we're not worried that appearances don't apply on a very broad level. Appearances apply to individuals who are breaking the social norm. So it seems to me, right, this is just my, you know, where I would come out if I were, if I were Pasquing now. Right? Um, what I would say is that the argument that you actually, the most reasonable shot in the Gemara, it seems to me, and in the Shulchan Aruch as opposed to the Tur, is that there really is no issue of Baltosif about eating at all. Although it's possible that a Baltosif issue arose later when we stopped sleeping in the sukkah. So then, right, so eating in the sukkah, um, right, be, right, started becoming a more serious, looks like Baltosif issue. But I think that for that, since it's a new issue that wasn't explicitly addressed in the Gemara or by the Mechaber, we could probably rely on the fact that we don't make a bracha. And that would be enough. And certainly, people who have the custom not eating in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret have no problem of eating in the sukkah again on Simchas Torah because you had a break. Right? So nobody, nobody's going to think that the mitzvah ended and you restarted again. That would be, right? that would be absurd. So if, you're, if you have the custom, which Roshachter won't quote because the Rav thought this was a bad custom, almost lots of people thought it was a bad custom, uh, but the Bach has a, you know, as an explanation as to how it happened historically, and then Hasidim adopted. So if you didn't, if you're not eating, if you're not eating the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret, then I don't think there should be any issue at all eating the sukkah on Simchas Torah. If you do eat everything in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeret, so then you could have a claim that a Baltosif issue arose nowadays, and you could decide that since Rashi, that Rashi doesn't think that the bracha is enough to solve that. Um, so then the issue is, but do you actually have to invalidate the sukkah even at the cost of violating a shfus to shfus of asking an Andrew to destroy your sukkah, or can you just put the symbolic, um, the symbolic thing up over it? Uh, so it seems to me that even in that case, it should be enough to adopt where Brody's solution, which everyone can do of just putting a, 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 you know, a two, foot squ- two foot by two foot square, maximum one and a half by one and a half foot square uh, up, uh, up over your schach. You don't actually have to ask an Andrew um, to do anything. And it also seems to me probably that if for whatever reason you for, right, you didn't 
get a chance to take care of this or this your sukkah is too high or you're too right or whatever you don't like heights so you can't go up there and put a tablecloth on it it seems to me pretty clear that there is no prohibition of eating in the sukkah anyway nowadays uh both because i think chat may be there never was such an easter it was just an obligation to do it but it was never never meant you weren't allowed to eat in the sukkah i think that's what the ram and the, and the chabad hold and since it's very public that we're all eating in the sukkah outdoors because of health and not because of um and not because of um of the mitzvah so i think that there won't be any chashad anyway nobody will think you're eating the sukkah because you think it's still sukkahs right you're trying to do the mitzvah everybody will understand you're doing it for health reasons that's where i would come out okay thank you very much for listening i'm sorry it was a monologue but i hope it was a fun monologue um and i'll take questions now you never know right jenny can tell you right your questions may end up being my article tomorrow I hope you saw that, right? That I really, that I did. That I wrote up a version of your question, as my daughter. Um, I guess it was four weeks ago. Uh, okay, questions. <laughs>